Welcome to the Boulder Bassoon Quartet Podcast. I'm Ethan. I'm Kent. I'm Brian. I'm Michael. Ethan has some great news for us today. Yes, I do. Ethan's pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ethan, what's the good news? The good news is that we're officially going to Tokyo. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to go to Tokyo. It's all very exciting. It's been a long road. Now we are officially taking the show on the road to the International Double Re Society Conference, which will be held in Asia for the first time in its long and storied history, and it will be in Tokyo specifically, this August of 2015. We've received the official invitation, and there's no getting out of it now. The four members of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet are going to Tokyo. If you want to help make our dreams come true, we uh, very much do rely on the support of generous people to make all these things happen. It's been a long project that's taken place over the course of three years. That's included commissioning works, preparing the works, recording the works, uh, giving them their world premiere and performing them throughout many venues in Colorado. And all of that together uh, has helped us to raise money that, that we desperately needed in order to make this happen. Uh, playing at a conference like this is a big deal because it usually involves musicians the caliber of whom play with like groups such as the New York Phil and the Chicago Symphony, the Paris Opera, uh, just to name a few. So if you're so inclined to help out for up-and-coming musicians, please visit us at boulderbassoons.com. And uh, from there, you can purchase a CD, a shirt, or just flat out make a donation. One other thing we could use your help with is determining what exactly we should wear. If you've seen us perform, you know that we usually, perf- uh, we usually wear black suits with a black tie and a white shirt. And we look sharp. But that won't be the case this summer. We've got to find something else to wear. So. We're totally open to ideas. Hit us up with your craziest idea. What do you want to see four guys playing the bassoon wear as they go ripping through some of the greatest repertoire ever written for bassoon quartet? (laughs) Yep, post it on our Facebook page. Yeah, send us some pictures of ideas. Dress us up like Lady Gaga. Whatever you want, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's been done. Will Dr. Narimoto be at the conference at any point? Do you know? Dr. Narimoto will be there. Um, I don't know if she'll be able to be there the day that we're performing. I can't remember. But three of her pieces are being performed. Hmm. We're playing The Sound of New York. The piece that she wrote for Solo Bassoon, which she wrote for my wife, Cowdy, will be performed by my wife, Cowdy. And there's another group that's going to play another piece of hers. Uh, so... That's a, that's a big show for her. Will Mr. Paul Hansen be there? As I understand it, yes, he will be there to play a solo uh, performance. We have been awarded an hour-long recital on uh, the last day of the show. That part is a pretty big deal. That is that's pretty to cool. To have the full hour mm-hmm. available. I think that the, you know, being scheduled for the last day is also a nice thing. Uh, you know, if you're scheduled on the first day, people are still arriving. And on the last day, probably everybody is still there. I think either everybody's still going to be there and they'll be paying attention and gearing up for the last 
performance at night, the big gala yeah. concert, mm-hmm. or everybody will be burnt out and paying no attention whatsoever and clamoring to get the hell out of the conference. These things last for about five days and, uh, you know, uh, it's a full day each day from what, eight or nine in the morning until whenever the last concert ends, which can be like 10 or 11 at night. Um, and so it, it can be pretty exhausting and there's only so much <laughs> double read stuff you can handle in a week. It's a full experience. Yep. But I'm optimistic. I think, I think there will still be several people that want to see these pieces. I hope so. They're so cool. Uh, yeah. I really hope that both, um, you know, all of our composers, Rika and Paul and Kent, all get like a lot of attention and commissions out of it. I was really pleased a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine said that he was uh, considering commissioning Paul Hansen for a piece for solo saxophone. Oh, cool. Because that's what he plays. And uh, he loved the piece that he wrote for us. And so he was very keen on the idea of getting Paul to write something for him. Not so long ago, Paul's Facebook page featured a photograph of a check. It was a royalty check that he had received um, just, you know, several days ago uh, for the royalties that he gets for playing the saxophone solo in that Eddie Money song. <laughs> really? Yeah. Take Me Home Tonight? I think that's is what that it is. Is that the one? Yeah. I think, I think so. Guess how much 52 royalties cents. he made in 2015 from Eddie Money, Take Me Home Tonight. 52 cents is not correct. Oh. I think it gets like five bucks. Kent? That sounds about right. Five bucks. I... Perhaps... Would you look that up and double check before I say this incorrectly on the air? I'm actually pretty sure it was like $1,400. Really? There we go. Nice little royalty check from my 1980s sax solo on an Eddie Money tune. $1,406. Well, that's not bad. Jeez Louise. I've mentioned before that um, my first bassoon teacher, Mr. Lotes, um, plays a lot in the Nashville recording scene. And uh, he talked about fairly frequently, every three or six months, getting checks in the mail for 52 cents and five dollars and stuff for the recordings that he has made. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where... Jerry was featured in the opening montage for a show in Japan called like Super Fun Time Terrific Happy Hour. <laughs> and they would send him checks for like 12 cents and he strained his hand into this twisted claw when he was trying to write his signature on all these checks. So we're going to Tokyo. This will be my first time going to Japan in the summer, but my third time overall. And being married to a Japanese woman, that's no big surprise. But for you guys, this will be your first time for each of you, right? Going to Japan? Yeah, yeah first yeah. time. What are you uh, most excited about seeing over there? Geishas? They do exist. They're not a myth. Wow. I've well, seen them. Hey. <laughs> I've seen things, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me it's probably a tie between um, some of the Buddhist statues and just some of the food. Like between ramen and sushi, I would be in heaven, I think. Japanese heaven. Yes. Ethan, you're taking the missus, right? Yep, yep, taking the missus and my father-in-law, so... 
it's like a family yeah. excursion. Yeah, well, he lived in Tokyo for two years, so. Oh, oh I didn't know that. Yeah, he went on his, his mission there for the church, so, you know, he speaks some Japanese still, and he went at in he went in the seventies, and so at that point it was like you go all the way up and down Japan, so he knows the country pretty well. Yeah, that should be good. He's he's looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. See the old stomping ground. Does he know people yeah. over there still? Uh, I don't know if he really knows many people over there. I'd, I'd have to ask him about that, but, yeah. How about you guys? You know, to my shame, I don't know much about Japan to have enough knowledge to know what I want to go see, but the idea of going to the largest city in the world... Mexico City? That, uh, no, Tokyo is far and away the largest city in the world. 37 million people live in Tokyo. But doesn't it depend on how you measure something you measure like that? Down, like, like metro area. Yeah, density, it's a metro area population, sure, sure, the geographical land spread. Yes. So which one is <laughs> Tokyo? <laughs> which one? Yeah. As far as biggest population? I don't know. Tokyo is 12 million at least bigger than any other city, at least from what I was looking at. Hmm. So it's like 37 million people in Tokyo. Just like, what what does a city that size feel like to be in it? Or I'm sure it feels normal when you're in it. It's just you can't leave it without going a long ways. I don't know, but it'll just be fascinating to see that. My brief experience with Tokyo was that I was, you know, when I think of of a big city, I think of Manhattan, of course. And I love it because it's all concentrated on that one island. And there are these different boroughs, or I mean, the different sections of New York and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty cool. Uh, Tokyo felt like nothing compared to New York because it was very spread out. There was a lot of Tokyo that I saw that was very quiet and calm and uh, very clean. There's one part of Tokyo, which we will be very close to, called Shibuya, which is like the Times Square of Tokyo. And that was what I was expecting. Very busy, very bright, but also, again, still very, uh, compared to some big cities I've been in, very orderly and calm. (laughs) It'll be interesting to go there after having been in one of the other most densely populous and densely populated cities in the world, um, in the Philippines. Because I had read that there's like a top five most densely populated um, cities in the world, and, and Tokyo and Manila were right next to each other. Hmm. Interesting. But the, but it's totally it seems like it would be totally different in terms of Manila was I mean tons of crime and yeah. like kind of a scary <laughs> lots of scary areas. So it'll be interesting to see the difference. Going from Cowdy's hometown to Tokyo took about two hours on the bullet train. And, you know, out here in Colorado, it's like you've got a town and then a bunch of open space and then a town and then a bunch of open space and everything is, you know, separated. But going from her hometown to Tokyo, it was just one continuous block of urban sprawl. Hmm. And Tokyo itself, again, is not like New York where all the skyscrapers are concentrated into these clusters. But it's like here's a giant skyscraper and then here's some ancient little one-story building and then a block later, here's another skyscraper. And so thinking of Tokyo as being one of the most populated, or the most populated place, uh, again, in my brief experience, it did not feel like that. 
I was a little disappointed. <laughs> I'm looking here, and Tokyo is the largest metropolitan area in the world. Um, it is the oh, 18th largest city proper in the world, with 9 million people in the proper city of Tokyo. The metropolitan area has 37 million people in it. So, a little bit of a difference there. Hmm. What's number one? The number one city proper? Shanghai, with 24 million people in the city itself. Yeah. That's big. What about you, Michael? I don't know if I can pin it down to one single thing. Uh, I'm with Ethan. I'm definitely interested in seeing a variety of different temples and shrines uh, and some art. Um, I think Tokyo has uh, an art museum that's dedicated to pre-war art. I'm going to go see that. Uh, food, for sure. I want to go to the fish market and get some caught-that-morning fresh sushi. Uh, I think I'm going to go to Osaka. They have a really large aquarium that includes a whale shark. I've never seen a oh, whale cool. shark. I've always wanted to see a whale shark, so I'm going to go all the way out to Osaka <laughs> just so I can see a whale shark. Um, and I think there's a a type of puppet theater that seems pretty interesting. So like, in general, I'm interested in uh, outdoorsy topography things, but it sounds like that's going to be pretty far south in Okinawa or pretty far north on Hokkaido. So I may not get to do that. I'm interested in some of the religious things, and I'm interested in some of the cultural theater concert types things. Hmm. I want to go see a baseball game. I'll go to see a baseball game with you. What's interesting is that the baseball teams in Japan are not named really after the city. Like out here, you know, it's the Colorado Rockies or the New York, whatever. But they're all owned by private companies. So it's like a newspaper or a company or whatever. There's one, I think, in Hokkaido. There's one team called the Ham Fighters. Something, something, Ham Fighters. <laughs> yeah. Cody's excited because we're going to be at her home for this this big thing that happens every year. Her her hometown of Okazaki was the birthplace of this guy named Ieyasu, and Ieyasu was the first guy to unify Japan centuries ago. Uh, and so her hometown has like his original castle and stuff. It's pretty cool. And Okazaki was one of the very few places that was allowed to work with gunpowder. And as a result, Okazaki is home to this super huge, impressive fireworks display every year. The first Saturday of every August. Um, so, like, I get, you know, excited about the 4th of July. Like, yay, this will be fun. Let's go see some fireworks. And then we go see the fireworks. And I think, yeah, this is cool. And Cody's like, oh, God, this is so, such an embarrassment. Such shame. <laughs> this Why? is such a puny little display. Oh. So the show that we should be seeing in Okazaki should be like, I don't know, three hours long. And just an absolute, like the grand finale to a typical American fireworks display is this, the norm. That's like intermission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. So that should be fun. This episode of the Boulder Bassoon Quartet podcast is brought to you by Forrest's Music. 
Just about everything you could possibly need to play a double reed instrument is available at forestsmusic.com, including From the Opposite Shore, the first bassoon quartet album, the first album by the Boulder Bassoon Quartet, forestsmusic.com. Well, geez, once again, I am completely out of reeds, and I am out of cane. Where can I go to refill my supply? You should go to Barton Cane. They have a wide selection of, of different cane you can choose from, and customizable solutions. You can go to bartoncane.com. I'm there. interested in seeing the uh, international mix of musicians that we get looking at the website they've got people from I think Russia and Berlin and um, countries you know you never heard of yeah so it'll be cool to see what they all sound like and what the world is up to these days playing these instruments are you gonna try to do any other musical things before or after the conference like you're gonna try to go see a symphony or anything yeah I have no idea where or when. I also have no idea if any groups will be playing at that time. Because that's, you know, Kyle keeps saying how... summer break. Yeah, that's like the national summer break. And that the week that the conference starts is some, like, holy week. And since her grandma died in March, it will be an important week for the family. So we're not going to go up to Tokyo any earlier than whatever that is, the 14th or something. Um... So maybe we'll see something in Nagoya. So maybe we'll have a night where we go see something during the conference. I don't know. Sure. Are you guys going to climb Fuji-san? I don't know. How tall is that? It's up there. It's pretty tall. I'll think about it. Just the kind of thing where people, especially apparently people from Japan, say like, oh, I'll do that. And they totally underestimate it and they die. Oh, oh well, yeah. And there's a like a suicide forest where people go to this forest and they get lost and die. Something like that. Let's not go there. Should be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Should be fun. I think I think I'm not gonna try to climb it. I'll come back to Colorado and climb a Colorado mountain. Yeah. There's a hotel like halfway up. Hmm. So you do half of it and then you wake up at like four in the morning and watch the sunrise, finish it off and go back to the hotel. That's cool. Yeah, I hmm. think there's a way of taking a train to the base of the mountain and then going to the hotel and then going up that way. I don't know. Hmm. There are, there's at least one restaurant that has robotic waiters. Oh, yeah. What? That's, you go do that. That's, that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. I think you gotta oh, do that. I'm frightened. <laughs> Have you guys seen Ex Machina? No. If the robotic waiters look like ex machina maybe <laughs> exactly like humans you <laughs> try to kill me like ex machina i think i'm not gonna go yeah so the the conference will be held at the this complex that was built for the olympics that were held in tokyo in the 60s and that complex is right next to a big park in a division of tokyo called yogogi 
I'm um, looking forward just to seeing that park itself, actually. It looks like a really nice big place, and there's a uh, shrine in the middle of it. And I think like a half hour to 45 minute walk south will be that area of Shibuya, which is, again, like the Times Square of Tokyo. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then the places that we found through Airbnb are uh, just like a 10, 15 minute walk north of the complex. So we should be kind of smack right in the middle of everything. Which is pretty neat. Plenty of trains. Lots of opportunity to go see stuff. So this is random. In this really beautiful coincidence this past week, there's an um, interview program on National Public Radio called uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross. And there was a um, you know, radio story about this little uh, dive sushi place, hole in the wall, uh, apparently right next to a really big train station. Um, but the, the owner of the place uh, had 10 commandments uh, for what the, what the guests had to do in order to enjoy the sushi. And so there were rules about, you have to eat it with your hands, you can't use chopsticks. Uh, you have to eat it right now when I put it in front of you. You can't let it sit on the plate because it degrades. And it, it had all of this um, sort of aura of respecting the sushi experience. He expects you not to talk while you're eating the sushi. And you can't talk loudly while you're waiting for your turn to eat the sushi. Um, and it absolutely made me think of the Seinfeld episode of the soup Nazi. <laughs> the sushi Nazi. <laughs> yeah, I, I think maybe I want to see if I can hunt down where this place is and yeah. find the sushi Nazi. No sushi oh. for you. <laughs> Come back, one year. <laughs> huh. Yeah, we should, uh, before we go over there, find a time to get together and have Cowdy walk us through a meal. So, okay, don't do this, don't do that. You look yeah. like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you are supposed to slurp the noodles. Right. Don't put the chopsticks vertically into the rice and leave them there because right. that represents, you know, a dead person. Really? Yeah. yeah. Don't do this, don't do that. Many rules. So, we'll see what kind of adventures we get into. Well, to wrap this one up, let's listen to a piece of music that's inspired by Tokyo. This is some music from a place in Tokyo called Rakuya by Paul Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> 